Holy and loving God, write a message on our hearts, bless us, direct us, and send us out living letters of the word. Amen. Please be seated. I have three favorite annual festivals, not necessarily in this order. Christmas, Holy Week and Easter, and the men's NCAA basketball tournament. And for a boy from Kentucky, this is a most wonderful time of year. I love my new home in Mississippi, and I revel in the majesty and magic that is Saturdays in autumn. But for the next three weeks, it belongs to the round ball. And like any festival, the NCAA tournament has its own traditions and liturgies. The unveiling of the tournament bracket this very evening the national loss of work productivity as everyone fills out their picks, the joy of office pools pitting die-hard sports fans against those who really could care less. A friend of mine once filled out his bracket based solely on how the two teams' mascots would fare in a fight, and he did very well. And then comes the first weekend in the tournament where there is nothing but basketball for four days straight, otherwise known as Nirvana. Every year, my brother-in-law comes over from Atlanta. I take two vacation days. We eat poorly. We neglect hygiene. And we watch every game. It is Glorious. I promise there's a sermon in here. And so it is only apropos that our gospel contain the most likely piece of scripture you will see at a sporting event. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that everyone who believes in him may not perish but may have eternal life. You don't see it as much anymore, and I'm not sure why, but for decades, every crowd at every sporting event had that dude with a homemade poster that said simply, John 3.16. And who knows how many new brothers and sisters in Christ were created by that particular strategy. But if, even, if, if, if it was only one, that is still worth it. And I admire their zeal for evangelism, and it is not my intent to make fun. But why sports? Yes, there are a lot of folks at a sporting event, and many more watching on television, but wouldn't it be a more effective strategy to hold up that sign on the side of I-55, or at the movies, or on social media? Wouldn't it be much more effective if you just held that up in the parking lot at the Kroger? And why John 3.16? Yes, it contains probably the best summary of the good news of Jesus Christ in Scripture. But there are so many other verses, at least in my opinion, that are much more evocative and powerful. 
Think about Romans 8.38. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's powerful scripture. Or the beauty of Ruth 1.16. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Or perhaps there is more to John 3.16 than a convenient (coughs) summary of the good news. For just as sports fans go or watch a sporting event for the excitement and for the action, this is a verse full of action. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. For our God, my brothers and sisters, is a God of action. Those who assume that our God is a passive God or a distant God have not read their Bible. For the Bible, if anything, is the story of God's action throughout our history. God creates. God sees that it is good. God promises. God hears the cry of his people in Egypt. God delivers them through the sea, away from Pharaoh, and into the promised land. And then in the incarnation of Christ, God speaks. God heals. God converts and transforms. God sacrifices. And God lives. Our God, to paraphrase C.S. Lewis, is on the move. And as people made in the image of God, we too are created to be people of action. One of the most prominent action verbs in the book of John is send. One example is John 3.17. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And one of the Greek words translated as send is apostello, the word from which we get apostle. So we are a people to be sent. We are a people to be sent into that same world. We are people sent into the world to do good work. We are sent to bring justice to the oppressed. We are sent to feed those who are hungry. We are sent to comfort those who grieve. We are sent to bring into community those who do not know the love and peace of God. But before you go, before you are sent, let us reflect one more time on John 3.16. And remember why God sends. Because God loves. For God so loved. 
the root, the engine behind the foundation of all these actions of our active God, of Christ's and Christ's church, is love. To paraphrase the first letter to the Corinthians, if we act but do not have love, then we are a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If we bring justice but do not love the oppressed, then they never will truly be free. If we feed but do not love the hungry, then they will be empty again. If we comfort but do not love the grieving, then their sadness will overcome them. And if we invited others into community but do not love them, then our relationships will be false. Love is at the heart of God, and as a God of action, love is the center of all that God does. So next time you see John 3.16 in the bulletin, in the Bible, on a car bumper, or even in the stands, remember the power of that old chestnut. So loved, he gave everyone who believes may not perish, but may have eternal life. And then claim your own power as one who acts and is sent by our very active and very loving God. Amen.